You're listening to the Regeneration Church Podcast. My name is Kyle, and I'm glad you're here. The Jesus movement was a radical work of the Holy Spirit to go after a generation that the church didn't know how to go after. This fall, we're doing a teaching series around the Jesus People movement that arose in the late 1960s to consider how what God was doing then might be something he wants to do now. I wanted this to be more than just a history lesson, so I asked my friend Mike McCoy, who's a pastor in the Vineyard Movement in San Francisco, a friend through 3DM, a discipleship network we're a part of, to share his story of coming to faith and being discipled in the Jesus People Movement. You're going to be blown away by what you hear in these podcasts, which will be dropping all throughout this series. So take a listen. It's going to be exciting. Well, so, so, you know, I was raised Catholic. And so because of Catholicism, there was a deep sense of kind of you're supposed to be awestruck by God, but God is very distant, mm-hmm. right? Like, I mean, the whole setup is spiritual feudalism. There's mm-hmm. a priest up front. He gets to touch the communion elements. Nobody else does. Um, you're, he's closer to God than you, anybody else in the room. Um, and so in, but on the other hand, there was also a sense in something like a mass, just even the way it's constructed in a very mysterious way, like, Ooh, there's someone, something here that's worth getting to know, but I probably can't know him. Mm-hmm. And so in the Jesus movement, one of the, the, the big things that grabbed my attention through young life when I was in high school was my young life leader was a, a biology teacher on the campus where I went to high school where I went to high school and he would hang out with us. He opened during lunch, he opened up his room. Mm -hmm. I went to young life clubs because girls went to young life clubs and you know, it was, but I wasn't at that point in my life, I really was beginning to think I was an atheist. Mm -hmm. Um, And you know, like, I just don't know if God exists, but Dennis was a very loving person. Him and his wife were very loving people. Um, And he talked a lot about having a relationship with God, which I just had no place to put that. Mm -hmm. And within the Jesus movement, I would say that was one of the key good news messages is there is a God, which most everybody believed in some sense. Um, But this idea that there was a God who wanted relationship with you but because of the problem of sin, which is the way we talked about it in young life, mm-hmm. we didn't have a relationship with God. So Jesus came, died on the cross and was resurrected. So we could have a relationship with God. And that it's hard to imagine today because that is so in the fabric of evangelicalism. It is hard to imagine people that that's not on their radar. It is hard to imagine 
that not only in the Catholic church, but within Presbyterian churches and Lutheran churches and almost every mainline church, there is no idea that God wants a personal relationship with you in the sense that it's on the front burner. Probably if you press people, they'd say, oh yeah, God wants a relationship with me, but it's not, it's just not how people lived. And, and so the striking thing was this Jesus, this God who wanted a relationship with you and Jesus who is alive and present, you can talk mm -hmm. to him every day. You could read, you know, you could read this thing called the Bible, which no, mm -hmm. hardly anybody read, and you could open it and he might even speak to you out of it. Mm -hmm. And so in the midst of all of that, um, I had a, this crisis, which this is public info. So I guess it's okay for this to be recorded, but you know, I was living the basic Bay Area life, sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Um, I had a girlfriend. She got pregnant. We chose to have an abortion. And in the midst of that, I just had a crisis, an emotional crisis of, and not at a conscious level, but I would find myself, and I'm not an especially emotional person, but I would find myself just crying for no reason. You know, and I couldn't figure it out. Um, I'd moved out of the house. I had a lot of rebellion with my parents. Um, and so it was just like, what is going on with me? And I remember one time I was on my way home from work and I stopped in this parking lot and I just kind of kept crying, fell on my knees. It's like, I couldn't figure out what's going on. I went on a retreat short time after this to uh, my mom did the good Catholic mom guilt thing and said, Hey, there's a father son retreat going on at the San Fr uh, Franciscan retreat house, you and your brother and your dad should go. She paid for it. So I went, we get there. It's a silent retreat. So we're not even going to get to talk to my dad. It's really, what, I'm like, what am I here for? It's a silent retreat. I didn't bring anything to read. So the only book I could buy out of their bookstore was a new Testament. Mm -hmm. And I remember Ashlock saying my young life leader saying, you know, if you're going to read the Bible, don't start with Gen don't start at the beginning. It's not that kind of book. Read one of the gospels. And the only gospel I could remember him talking about was the gospel of John, because he had quoted John three sixteen, which was the verse for the Jesus movement. Right. And so I remembered that. So I just started reading the gospel of John and I was in college at this point and I was a philosophy. I, I was pre-law. So I was taking philosophy classes and I just began to realize that Jesus talked about himself as though he was all the things that I believed in. Like he was life, he was love, he was truth. And the Holy Spirit just began to speak to me to say, the longing of your heart has always been for Jesus. Mm -hmm. So I, I remember they set up these uh, spiritual direction times, a half hour for everybody there, one on Saturday and one on Sunday with one of the Franciscan monks. So Saturday morning, I had a half hour and I just argued with him about God. I was a punk. I mean, I am just like, there's evil. God doesn't exist, blah, 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 blah. Then Saturday night, God deals with me all during the day. I decide to go out and watch the sunset. And I walk this, this garden that has the stations of the cross and the Holy Spirit just tells me, if you ask for forgiveness, I'll forgive you. And I, so I remembered this young, the young life prayer, you know, Lord, I give you my life. I confess my sin. Jesus come into my heart. And it was like just radical change. And wow. God gave me vision for my life. I mean, it was, it was a supernatural moment, but I had zero place to put this. I had no place to put this. And 
so after that, the Sunday morning, I meet with my spiritual, the spiritual director and he goes, you seem different. And so I just told him the story. Well, he had no place to put my story because he's a Catholic Franciscan. So, mm-hmm. you know, today within the Jesus movement, a lot of people have this testimony, but then hardly anybody had that testimony. So he says, man, I, he goes, you probably want to talk to that young life guy. So I get back and I schedule a time to go talk to Dennis and, you know, so he says, that's awesome. You know, you want to, you want to be a young life leader. So he signs me up to do club three weeks later. I'm sharing my testimony in the young life club a week after that. I'm one of the assistant leaders of the club. So back in the day, you went from getting saved to you're in ministry pretty for me, it was within a month. Um, and so that's kind of what happened, but all that to say is that whole idea that God, I could have a relationship with God was radical. So when I came back and actually talked to my mom and dad, and they had me talk to a priest, the priest said, you know, no, 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 this isn't how it works. You, you became a Christian when you got baptized, this has nothing to do with it. And so I kind of decided, well, I, I don't think I'm coming back to the Catholic church. And so they pretty much kicked me out at that point, which was just, it was the times, you know, the stuff that was going on was so out of everybody's loop. So I would say on terms of up with that, from the get-go of the Jesus movement, I believed that I could directly access the Father, mm. right? That, there, that God was available to speak to me, to be with me. I could share my burdens with him. I mean, one of the phrases we use all the time is that Jesus is your best friend. Mm. And, you know, for young people, for high school kids, college kids, who feel alienated, feel cut off from anybody, that idea that God wants to be your best friend and have that kind of intimacy is pretty radical. And again, you know, I remember talking like to to Marianne's family about this, who were Presbyterians, they were elders in the Presbyterian church. That was just foreign to them. Like to call God your best friend, to say that Jesus was your best friend seemed irreligious. It seemed, you know, like that's not right. Now, Today, as time went on, all that Jesus, Jesus movement culture infused into every church over time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's really the diffusion of ideas. But the radical thing was the Jesus movement was a radical work of the Holy Spirit to go after a generation that the church didn't know how to go after. Mm-hmm. It didn't have a place for them. And so, you know, Calvary Chapel vineyard, um, number of other churches that I'm not as familiar with on the East coast in Florida, just started reaching out to all these young folks and churches just started popping up because mainline churches had no place for them. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? And yeah. And so in terms of the up, I would say it's this idea of access. So prayer was different. Like in the Jesus movement at the beginning, you know, people had to be discipled to just start talking to God, you know, and somebody like me, that came, I remember being asked in my the second time I was at a Bible study and the leader goes, Hey, Mike, would you open us with a prayer? And all I can think of as a Catholic is our father, the Holy Mary's and, you know, Oh, there's a, there's a prayer, the apostles creed, but I don't remember it. Cause we only do it once on the rosary. Like that's all I had. And so he had to coach me. Cause I start the, our father he says, what are you doing? Well, I'm praying. You said to pray. I'm praying. He goes, no, 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 no. Just start talking to God. Just whatever comes you, just start talking to God. And again, today, even in more high church settings, pastors feel free to pray that. 
But back in the day, no, 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 no. So, you know, everything's written, everything's planned out. So all, all of that becomes kind of some craziness, which I think goes to the end about what church is. So like for most people in the Jesus movement, attending your normal worship service just felt foreign and not because of the liturgy, even though I think some people would say it's because, oh, this is old fashioned and that. I think because at the heart of it was not a relationship with God. It was, it was spiritual feudalism, to use the language we'd use today, is that it felt like this is all scripted, and whether God's here or not doesn't matter that much. Mm. You know, we're still going to say the same things. We're still going to talk about the same things. We're still going to do the same hymns. And if Jesus is here, that's great. But if he's not, none of us can perceive him. Mm. Whereas in the Jesus movement, it was all about language like, oh, Jesus is here. Oh, God's here. Early on in the Jesus movement, I would say that there wasn't a huge understanding of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. That kind of came a little bit later in the later 70s with the vineyard mm -hmm. and some of that. Mm -hmm. But there were people that were talking about that, but it was really a Jesus-centered thing. It was really mm -hmm. like, hey, man, Jesus is here. You know, he's here in our Bible study. And so I remember sitting in a Bible study, in this same Bible study that I was first in, and... John, who is a leader, would just talk about, you know, okay, so Jesus is here and he's going to help us understand this scripture. So we're just going to read Sermon on the Mount. You know, I later found out John had only been a Christian about six months and he's leading a Bible study with a bunch of us guys and maybe even four months. And, but we all thought he was an expert, you know, like, okay, he's, we're following John, you know, he's leading this Bible study. And he's, he, he, he's, he's like, I'm just dependent on Jesus. Like Jesus is here. He's going to guide us through this. He's going to help us, in, which is very Discovery Bible study, right? It's 